Welcome to Cases and Controversies, a legal podcast by Bloomberg Law. I'm Kimberly Robinson. And I'm Jordan Rubin. And this is your SCOTUS sneak peek for the week of Monday, October 14th. And just like the first week of arguments, we're only going to have two days of arguments this week on Tuesday and Wednesday. And on Tuesday, the arguments are all devoted to a single interesting issue. Kimberly, can you tell us about that? Sure. Well, these are actually five cases that have been consolidated. The court's going to hear 80 minutes of argument in these cases, and the arguments are really going to be star-powered. We've got Donald Verrilli, the former Solicitor General, is going to be arguing. Uh, Deputy Solicitor General Jeff Wall. We've also got Ted Olson, uh, who is a Supreme Court veteran. And then a Puerto Rican attorney, Jessica Mendez-Kolberg, who's going to be arguing as well. We're actually going to have her on next week to do our deep dive episode on these cases. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But for our sneak peek, we'll keep it pretty simple. So these cases, uh, Financial Oversight and Management Board of Puerto Rico versus Aurelius, involve the creation in 2016 of a board, an eight-member board, to uh, deal with the really crippling financial crisis um, that Puerto Rico is still going through. The issue here is whether or not the eight members were appointed in accordance with the Appointments Clause of the Constitution. So the Appointments Clause requires that the president nominate and the Senate confirm uh, officers of the United States. The issue here is whether or not um, that particular clause applies to Puerto Rico as an unincorporated territory. And it really um, deals with these cases that happened at the turn of the 1900s called the insular cases that said that Puerto Rico and other unincorporated territories don't enjoy the full protections of the Constitution. So this issue is whether or not the Appointments Clause applies at all. Interestingly, kind of lurking in the background is um, what to do if, you know, the board has been appointed in an unconstitutional manner. Um, Interestingly, the First Circuit kind of said, so what? Um, So it found that uh, the clause did apply and that um, the way that the board was appointed did violate the Constitution, but it refused to unwind any of their decisions, kind of saying, like, this would create some really drastic consequences. And we're dealing with, you know, $100 billion uh, of debt here. So that in and of itself has some implications for some cases that are working their way up to the court dealing with the CFPB. So it uh, could be interesting to see what the justices say on that point. But technically, the case is really only about that first issue about whether or not the Constitution applies um, in Puerto Rico. Should be good. All right. So that's Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, we have three cases. And I'll kick it off with the first one. And that's Kansas against Garcia. And there, this is one of the several cases this term that we have at the intersection of criminal law and immigration. Crimigation. Crimigration, exactly. And the question here involves another issue, preemption. And that's whether states are precluded by the federal government in certain areas of the law. Here, the case stems from Kansas state prosecutions for ID theft for using other people's social security numbers to gain employment. And so more specifically, the question here is whether 
federal law preempts the states from using information like social security numbers that's entered on the federal I-9 employment form. And in that case, whether states like Kansas weren't even allowed to undertake the prosecutions like the one in this case in the first place, whether states are preempted by the federal immigration law. And there's going to be a theme in both of the cases that I'm going to preview today, and that's that Roberts and Kavanaugh's votes are key. Obviously, that's going to be true in a lot of cases going forward this term. They're sort of in the middle of the court on a lot of issues. But in particular, that's true in these two cases. And in this first case, Kansas against Garcia, that's because in the last big case on immigration and preemption in 2012, Kennedy and Roberts were both in the majority finding Arizona was preempted by federal law from undertaking certain actions related to immigration. Obviously, Roberts is still on the court, so we're going to see how he views this particular case in this application. But as to Kennedy, this will be one of these early tests of what the Kavanaugh for Kennedy switch is going to mean for the court. So that's one of the things we'll be looking at in that first case on Wednesday. And for the second case, we're going to have that one previewed with a cameo here by our star intern, Heather Saltz. So, Heather, please take it away. Thank you so much for that wonderful intro. The justices will decide whether the discovery rule applies to the one-year statute of limitations under the FDCPA. In this case, Rakitsky versus Clem, the petitioner, Kevin Rakitsky, amassed credit card debt between 2003 and 2005. The debt collection firm, Clem, sued for payment in 2008 and attempted service in an address where he did not live anymore. The firm withdrew the suit and then refiled and attempted service one year later. The firm served the incorrect addressee, and Rutkitsky did not discover the judgment until he applied for a mortgage in 2014. Now, I just want to point out that the credit card debt was about Twelve hundred dollars. Wow, wow. So um, that's about what some of these lawyers are going to be making in, a, in an hour, I imagine. So that's correct. <laughs> the FDCPA statute of limitations provision says an action to enforce any liability may be brought within one year from the date on which the violation occurs. Now, the Third Circuit believes that Rakitsky's claim was filed in 2015, which was untimely, since it was more than one year from the date of the violation and the discovery rule wouldn't apply. However, the Fourth and Ninth Circuits disagree and hold that the discovery rule does apply to the FDCPA. They believe that the time should start ticking when the debt was discovered by Rutkitsky. This should be really interesting to see where the justices lie on this issue. A classic circuit split. Yeah. And then Jordan, take us away for the last uh, last case. Another afternoon argument. Exactly. This is my specialty so far this term. So this afternoon case is Mathena against Malvo. And there the Malvo stands for Lee Boyd Malvo, one half of the infamous D.C. sniper pair, which terrorized the D.C. area in a 2002 rampage that Certainly, at least uh, those who were residents of the area still remember, and maybe even people across the country remember that scary time. And the legal issue here is juvenile sentencing. So Malvo was 17 at the time that he committed the crime, and his case brings up the latest test for the court on juvenile sentencing. So in recent years, the court has handed down a couple of decisions that have been more lenient towards juvenile offenders. Basically, there's been a taking of account of the fact that 
people's brains are still developing as they're younger, certainly at least uh, when they're 17 years old and maybe even older. And so despite however horrific some of these crimes might be, the question has been whether courts need to take that reality into account. And in a couple of closely divided cases over the last several years, the court has said, essentially, yes, you do need to take that into account. And so Malvo, who's serving multiple life sentences without parole, his case represents the question of sort of how far those recent cases go. And so it's a question not just of whether he might get a chance at resentencing for the judge to take into account his youth at the time, but potentially also what it might mean for other people who are challenging their sentences that they received for crimes they committed when they were underage as well. And again, I mentioned earlier as to the Kansas against Garcia case that there's this eye on Robertson Kavanaugh today on these Wednesday arguments. And the reason that's also true in this case is because uh, Justice Kennedy, who Kavanaugh replaced, was key in siding with defendants in these cases. And in the most recent case that made the ruling for juvenile offenders retroactive, uh, Roberts was also in the majority siding with the defense. And so we're going to be looking at Roberts and Kavanaugh at this argument in particular to see whether they're going to continue to extend this doctrine in favor of more leniency for juvenile offenders or whether the last decision was sort of the end of the road for them. Yeah, the Malvo case is really interesting. Um, it's like so many other of these criminal cases that we see where the actual defendant in the case, even if um, he wins, may not really benefit that much from um, from the rule that they create because, you know, as you mentioned, he's facing multiple life sentences in Virginia, um, which this is challenging, but also in Maryland as well. So Right. And even if the court does wind up ruling that a judge needs to officially take into account his youth at the time, you know, if you're someone who's hoping to overturn a sentence that you received as a juvenile offender, you might have hoped for a different sort of poster child for the issue, as opposed to Malvo, who might be perhaps one of the most unsympathetic juvenile offenders, uh, or certainly one that they aren't hopeful with in terms of pressing the issue before the court. So we'll see how that affects the issue, too. Well, that's going to do it for our sneak peek. Um, Be sure to check in next week when, as I mentioned, we'll be talking to attorney Jessica Mendez-Kolberg about the Puerto Rico cases to take a deep dive into that issue and what the justices were concerned about. And thank you, Heather, for joining us. So we hope to have you on uh, a future episode. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much, as always, for listening. And you can follow along with all the latest Supreme Court news at news.bloomberglaw.com. Thanks for listening. You probably have a lot of questions about the environment. Well, so do we. Are we talking like radioactive chemicals? Is this becoming sort of irrelevant if the U.S. doesn't participate in this? What's going on here? How far did the Trump administration go? And is mining really better down where it's wetter? Climate change, chemicals, water pollution, you name it. If it's in the environment, we're talking about it. Listen to Bloomberg Environment's official podcast, Parts Per Billion, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, get up-to-the-minute reporting at our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com.